So, this is something that happened to me about 10 years ago. I was 14 at the time, and had just moved to a new house, with my mother and father. I'm also a female with a slim build. I always have been skinny for as long as I can remember. We had just moved to New York, and it seemed to be a great place at first. Sure, there were some rude people, but that's like anywhere you live. I had to take the subway to get to school, and at the time... Both my parents worked in the mornings, and we didn't have any other way to get myself to school. By this point, it had been a few weeks, and I really was starting to enjoy the ride in the early mornings. I would have to leave around 5am to make it from my house to the station and catch the train that would take me to school in time, so keep that in mind. I also didn't have a phone at the time. There were smartphones when this happened, but they were very expensive my family didn't have the money to afford one for myself. I want to say it was a Monday morning when this had happened. And that might have been why my mind was elsewhere. I had a lot of projects that kept myself busy on the weekends. I don't have any brothers or sisters, and the only cousins I did have were close to 800 miles away. So, I would build things in my room, or draw a lot. That was really fun. And now with this quarantine business... I have found myself doing those things again. That's what triggered this memory that I had buried away for so long. I had just gotten on the morning subway and noticed there weren't many people as there were usually. In fact, there was nobody on it, except myself and an older man. He was very tall, slender, had long, unkept hair that covered most of his face. He also was wearing some beat-up clothes. I can see him ahead now even as I type this out. I am extremely socially awkward, so looking at people when I'm in public can be hard, if not impossible at times. Now I wear headphones in my ears so others will not talk to me, but like I said before, I could even afford a phone, so an mp3 player was out of the question as well. I did though have a book with me, that I would read, so I did what I usually did and put the book up and buried my face in it. Looking back now I wish I had not. Otherwise, I might have seen him making his way across the subway cart and closer to me. I remember reading my book and all of a sudden this strong smell started to linger around me. It was very stale and smelled like piss to be honest. I suspect he was homeless. When I catch the smell, it breaks my attention to my book and I look up. And when I did, I saw him standing there right in front of me. Now all of these red flags I should have seen were going off like crazy. He just stood there for a long time, not saying anything at first. I still couldn't see his face, and his hands were shaking. He spoke softly and I couldn't hear him. I stuttered out the words, I'm sorry? Then he screamed at me, You're gonna be sorry! The next part is kind of a blur. I remember him putting his hands over my face and pushing me into my seat. I was in such shock I could even scream. Not that anyone could hear me anyways. I did try to push him off myself, but it was no use. He was not much bigger than myself, besides his height, but I still could not get him to budge. He started to whisper things in my ears that didn't make any sense. Some of it sounded like words, and some of it sounded like a mixture of many words. I remember the train announcer saying that the next stop was coming, and I felt some sort of ease pass over me. He must have heard this too. The next thing I knew, he was grabbing me by the feet and started to drag me to the far end of the car. 
I had tried to hold onto the bars as best as I could, at this point now crying for help. As he was pulling me, the train had started to slow down and made us stop. I remember he was trying to put his hands over my mouth and face, and he was sitting on my legs so I couldn't get away. I couldn't see anyone at first getting on the subway, and the fear that when the doors closed again, he would most likely kill me set me into shock. I couldn't even move if I wanted to at this point. But just as the doors seemed like they were going to close, three other teenagers had jumped onto the train and were laughing. I don't think they noticed us in the corner at first, but something came over me and I bit his hand as hard as I could. He screamed and that got their attention. They looked around at first and when they spotted him, two of them had charged him and one of them that I could see was calling out the train to someone. They pulled him off of me and started to push him against the seats and now whoever was being called to was coming onto the subway. It was one of the security guards that worked on the subway, and he was running to them. I just sat there for a long time. He was escorted off the card, and they asked if I was okay. I don't remember a lot that was exchanged, but they did ask if there was anyone I could call, and me being 14, I didn't want to get in trouble. I said no and that I was fine. I spent the next couple weeks covering my bruises, with my mother's makeup, so no one would notice. Until this day, I still haven't told anyone in my family what happened. I never got on a subway alone again. So, subway man, I pray we never meet again. I'm not the best rider, but I will give this a shot. This happened a few days ago and I still feel like it just happened. I live in San Diego and we have a public transit system that most people call the trolley. To use it you need a pass that you tap on a check-in station when you get there so you can ride it. Sometimes people just sneak on the trolley without a pass and no one really does anything about it. I actually have a student pass that I use even though my school has closed down and I'm being homeschooled now. But the pass still works and I just got on the trolley and there wasn't very much seating. Sometimes people will actually stand in the middle when it gets really packed. I was on my phone watching TikToks and listening to some of my favorite narrators to pass the time. Luckily, the seat I got on had no one in it. You can fit about two people per seat, and the seats face each other. So it would be two people next to another, two people facing you. I was looking out the window when I felt someone sit next to me. He was not much older than me. I'm in the ninth grade, and... I would have figured he might have been a senior, or maybe even a sophomore. I'm pretty friendly, so I said hello to him. He just gave me a slight smile. I went back to my phone and didn't pay him much attention after that. I was already 10 minutes into my next video, when I felt something warm on my leg. When I looked over, I could see his hand on my leg, and now was having red flags popping up. I didn't want to say anything to make it more awkward than it already was. I just kind of nudged my leg over so he could get the hint, but that didn't seem to work. He started to work his hand deeper, if you know what I mean, and started to really tighten up his grip. At this point, I just got the courage and stood up and walked away. I wasn't sure what else to do, so I ended up standing on the trolley waiting for my stop, but when it came up and I got off, he followed me. I was now really scared. It was already late and there was not much light out. I turned the corner and figured that if I went to local CVS, he would not follow me, but I was wrong. 
I made my way around the store and could see in the large mirror that hangs above the walls that he was still in the store. I ended up going to the bathroom and calling my dad. I waited on the toilet for a good 20 minutes when I heard a knock on the door. I wasn't sure if it was a man or not until I heard a familiar voice call out my name. It was my dad, and at this point, I was already in tears. He walked me out of the store and asked if the man was still in the store, anywhere, but I couldn't see him. We did end up calling the police, but they said there was nothing they could do, because there wasn't really anything he did. My dad calls bullshit and says that they're just lazy. I just wanted to get out of the house for a bit, but it ended up almost so wrong. I pray I never see him again. This is not my story, but something that happened to my mom when she was younger. Something that happened to myself recently led me to asking her some stuff, and this is what she told me. This takes place back in the late 80s. My mother lived with my grandparents and my uncle at the time. She would take the subway with her older brother to school. Now my uncle was a few years older than her, so they would split up at some point on the ride, and he would go to his high school and she would go to her middle school. She said that day she had seen a strange man on the subway. That kept looking at her and smiling. She did her best not to pay him much attention. And she went off on her way to school. And forgot all about him after class started. She had said that the day went pretty uneventful besides a food fight. That had started but ended really fast. And her school got to close sooner than her brother's. So she would have to either take the subway to his stop and wait for him. Or just take it home. That day, she decided to wait for his school to get out. She got off the subway when it was his stop and sat on a bench. That they decided would be the meetup spot for times like that. She said once everyone had left the platform and got onto the next subway, she sat there for a while. When all of a sudden, she heard a whistle. The sound echoed across the platform and she couldn't tell what direction it was coming from. She looked around back and forth and did not see anyone until from behind a support pillar she saw a man's face speak out. She said his smile was the first thing she saw, and it was the man from that morning. My mom said that he didn't really do anything but just smile at her and kept on whistling that strange tune. But when my mom got up to walk up the stairs, she heard footsteps behind her. Soon they turned to fast footsteps and hard breathing. She looked back and saw this man now in a full sprint coming at her, she had just made it to the stairs when he pulled on her backpack, sending her to the ground. My mom said she couldn't remember much after that, as she hit her head really hard and was knocked unconscious. When she woke up, she felt something on her chest and neck. This man was now attempting to take her clothes off and do things. I don't feel very comfortable typing. When she heard a familiar voice, it was her brother, and he ended up wrestling with a man for a while. My mom says that the stranger ended up running away, and that nothing ever came up after that. He was never caught, and even though this happened over 35 years ago, she can still hear his whistle at night. I get really upset thinking about what happened to her, and she only told me this story once, so sorry if I couldn't get everything she told me in here. This is not necessarily as scary as some of the stories on here, but I love reading this type of stuff and I figured I'd share the closest I've ever gotten to a bad let's not meet situation. 
It happened roughly four years ago when I was in college and before I owned a car. It was dark and I was waiting for my bus to get back to campus at a deserted bus stop across from a closed church, which had burned down not long before then. Typically, when I would wait for the bus, I'd keep my earbuds in, rarely had to interact with anyone. At some point, a man approached the bus stop from the direction of the church and started talking to me. Since I had the earbuds in, I had to take them out and ask him to repeat what he wanted. He asked me if I could help him out with a few bucks, because he was from the other side of town and needed some cash to get back. He didn't smell of alcohol, at least not that I could detect, and didn't look like a homeless person. I often don't carry cash in my wallet, but that night, I may have had some 5 to $10 in there. Although normally, I may have given someone like him a couple of bucks, there was something off that I felt about him. He was wearing all black clothes, with a hat on his head, and periodically would put his hands inside of the pockets of his jacket. I am generally cautious person, and tend to be less than trusting of strangers, and when he had the fact that we were alone at a bus stop after dark, I had a feeling that taking out my wallet would be a bad idea, even though I really had very little cash in there. So I apologized to him and said that I didn't have any cash on me, and that I couldn't help him. I put the earbuds back in and casually took a few steps away, hoping to indicate the conversation was over, but he continued speaking, so I had to take one earbud out. Now he was doing the, come on, help a brother out routine, and all I could do was continue telling him that I really had no cash on me, otherwise I definitely would have helped him. This went on for a few minutes, now despite me being a six foot dude, and having maybe a few inches over this man. I'm not a people person, and any interaction of the sort can be anxiety-inducing, and the way he wouldn't just give up was really starting to worry me. What happened next, I'm still not completely sure if it was real, or just my adrenaline-filled brain fooling my eyes. But for a second, I thought I saw him pull out a blade. I thought I saw him pull out a small blade from his left jacket pocket, and quickly put into his right one. He didn't threaten me. He didn't exactly tell me that he had a weapon, or that I had to give him stuff. As far as I saw it, it was just a sly way of showing me that he was armed, to inspire me to be more generous. At this point, I was in a fight or flight mode, and was discreetly clutching my own foldable knife in my jacket pocket because I knew I have to defend myself if he got tired of playing nice. On the outside though, the conversation still followed the same back and forth, with him asking me to help him out, and me repeating that I couldn't help him. Since at that point he hadn't threatened me yet, I decided to take my best shot to try to avoid confrontation, was to walk away myself. So I tell him the bus was taking too long, and I just started walking towards the next closest stop, hoping the bus wouldn't pass when I was between them. As I was walking, I glanced back and saw the guy was following me, at a distance still calling out to me, why I didn't want to help him. Lucky for me, after I reached the bus stop, not a minute passed, and just as the guy was approaching me, again my bus came, and I hopped in glad to be around other people again. The guy didn't follow and simply stayed behind, at the bus stop, probably waiting for the next person he could bother. It took me the ride home to process what had happened and could have happened that night. 
and when I got off the bus next to my apartment building, I decided to call 911 just to notify them to be on the lookout in the area. I'm not certain if the guy was actually dangerous or if he really wanted to get home, but either way, I sure would rather not meet him again. So, I've posted on here once before. I said I would post again, so here it is. As I said before, I live in a rough area as a kid. I had drug dealers that my family shared a wall of, our home with many times. People would get assaulted, robbed, and even a few murders happened. Growing up in the late 90s, early 2000s, we'd be outside a lot from spring till the end of fall. The houses were organized in giant ovals, and they were all shared at least two walls with the homes next to each other, unless you lived on the end like we did. We had woods behind us that stretched for a few miles, along with a pretty gross lake that no one ever wanted to fish in. We used to have forts built into the woods. We'd have to replace every other year due to blizzards destroying them. One summer, a few kids that were related to the neighbor came down from another state. The kids... Maddie, Mark, and Michael. We decided with each extra hands would be a good time to redo our forts. We, Joe, Rob, Jesse, Maddie, Mark, Michael, and I all decided to wake up early to gather supplies and begin to walk into the woods. The area of the woods we put our forts had both a bunch of trees and light from the sun. Besides this old rusty fence in the middle of the woods that went down to part of the lake nothing else was around. Maddie, Mark, and Michael were excited because they were from the city and never really had any chance to freely wander in the woods before. The rest of us, on the other hand, were always in the woods, but this time something was different. The air was changed, and we felt as if we weren't alone. After being out there for four hours, we took a break and went to the store near us for some snacks. When we all got our packs full, we headed back. The same feeling was with us when we went back into the woods. Even most of our supplies we left in the woods, like nails, tape, string, were all gone. Our friend Joe even lost his bracelet his girlfriend gave him. As the day went on, we didn't think too much about it, because we're kids having fun. We went back to the next day after swimming for a few hours. All the previous day's worth of work was destroyed. Hours of time spent for nothing. We took the time looking around and found nothing. Not even a sign anyone had been around since we left. School vacation ended and the kids that were visiting left. A bunch of houses got broken into this year. And people thought it was neighbors that had issues with each other. This happened for months on end. After two months of having this, people started realizing that no one that lived in any of the houses were doing any of it. My area had the most working lights, so only two houses were ever close to being broken into. All the parents were on high alert as school was coming close to the end of the year. As July of this year, we had 38 apartments broken into, and unrelated murder. All the kids weren't allowed out past 8pm once it got dark. Maddie, Mark, and Michael came down for a short vacation. They decided to go back into the area where we had made forts. I figured because I didn't want to go to the store with my family and had nothing better else to do, I'll go too. 
Every few yards, we'd hear something snap, a branch as if we were being followed, but never saw a thing. We did find our stuff left over from months prior, but we didn't think we would have. Anyways, however, we found something else, a campsite, besides a few red pants, a sweater, and just one camo Nike Air Force sneaker. It was mostly food wrappers and soda bottles. Mandy started to freak out as he swears he saw someone watching us from the trees near a small creek. They panicked and ran. I didn't see anything, but I ran too. They stayed at Jesse's house at night. I have a gravel road behind my house that goes behind a few other homes, Jesse's included. I had Rob stay the night like he almost always did back then. He woke me up hearing someone walking around. He saw a very tall slender man and a black hoodie walking fast past from Jesse's house. The next day we found out that someone broke the lights behind the house and tried to get into Jesse's house. Stupidly, we all went back the next day. Joe, Rob, Jesse, Maddie, Mark, and Michael and I, we all felt like we were being watched instantly. Jesse fell and hurt his leg badly, so Joe and Mark being the strongest brought him home. The rest of us wished we would have left as they did. We found the camp again, and found some shards of glass in the lights with some blood on it. The tent was knocked over, and as we went to leave, that's when the guy in the black and white hoodie with red pants and no shoes came running at us from the other side of the woods. None of us got a good look at his face. We split up and went different ways home. I found Mark hiding in a dumpster near my house. We told my family, which were beyond mad. The cops went to the camp and found no man or tent. They found that Nike shoe and the clothes he was wearing when he chased us. We never saw this man's face, but he saw ours. Years later, that part of the woods was bought by a company to make a mini golf course. They found a rusty shotgun in the woods. The man living in the woods is whom everyone believes is the one breaking into the homes. It makes sense thinking about it now. None of us live there anymore, and sadly one isn't alive anymore. We all remember that event, and the ones that have kids now are really protective of them when they go home to visit our parents, who still live in those homes. I live in a really small area, but I don't drive, which can sometimes be a real pain. Occasionally, if I can get a lift from a friend or a taxi, I hitchhike to the nearby towns, about 10 minute drive either way. This has never really been an issue as I usually end up finding out the driver knows my parents, either through their work or because both sides of the family are from the area and everyone pretty much knows everyone. So one day I finish work and can't get the lift home. I decide to hitch and pretty quickly a car stops. It's on the main road and there's quite a few cars behind the one that stopped for me. So the guy drives and pulls off pretty fast. I buckle my seatbelt and say, thank you so much. And the driver, who's around his mid-fifties, maybe responds with, why are you thanking me? But before I can answer, he says, I'm a rapist, and begins to laugh. I'm horrified, but laugh nervously along with him, wondering if maybe it's just a dark sense of humor, which is fine but this was definitely not an appropriate situation. I put my hand into my pocket and 
flip my pen slash pen knife open just in case. But he begins talking casually about the weather, asking where I'm going, and that the rest of the drive goes pretty normally until we reach my village. I say to him, anywhere along this road is fine to drop me off. He pulls the car off the road really quickly and suddenly seems extremely angry and just yells, get the fuck out of my car. So I politely thank him for the lift because that's just how I am. I almost fell out of the door trying to get out as fast as possible. Still, to this day, I'm not sure if he was serious or not. If maybe it was some kind of mental health issues, that would explain his rapid fire mood swings. Or even perhaps if he was just trying to scare a young woman out of doing something dangerous as hitchhiking. I still hitchhike, but a lot less liberally than I used to. So, to the strange man in the car, let's not meet again. Sorry, it's long. I'm a very descriptive person. To start this off, I'm a female. And at the time this event happened, I was 14 years old. I went to an annual convention called the Anime Expo, hosted in LA. That trip was my first year going to the convention. That year, I was dressed up as a character named Meliodas from the anime Seven Deadly Sins. I made my costume, even the sword in the sheath, and even made the sword in a way that it can attach and sit in the sheath, so I don't have to hold it all day. And I don't mean to sound full of myself, but I did have one of the better Meliodas costumes that day. A lot of people don't have the prop, or just wore a white shirt, vest, and tie, and called it a day. There is no way putting them down on their costumes. Cosplaying is meant to be fun. The character Meliodas is a boy, and I may be a girl. But when I was 14, I didn't have a girlish figure. I'd even have to wrap myself. But me not looking much like a girl didn't stop this creep. I went with my mom and sister that year. My mom doesn't really like the convention. So she waited near the front to sit while my sister and I explore with a known time to meet with my mom. My sister's the same age as me, by the way. She didn't dress up that year, and she regrets it. As my sister and I are exploring, occasionally people are asking me for pictures and giving compliments, which I soaked up like a sponge. Then this one guy came up to me. The best way to describe him is as a neckbeard, but not quite. He was much taller than me, around six feet. He asked me for a picture, and requested that I grope his pecs. Meliodas is a character known for groping another character, Elizabeth. He asked me with a smile, but his eyes didn't match. His eyes looked creepy. I told him I'd hover, but not touch. So I posed with the picture with a smirk. And that was that. He thanked me, then knelt down close to me, and said something quiet enough that only I could hear. Your costume is really nice. I could even tell that you were a girl at first until I walked up to you. And let me tell you, even in that costume you look beautiful. Thoroughly creeped out, I stepped back from him, stuttering out a thank you. He smiles and waves, with those same creepy eyes. His smile was warm, but his eyes absolutely didn't match. I grab my sister's hand and I drag her away with me trying to get as far away from him as possible 
She asked me what he said to me, and when I told her, she was just freaked out as I was. We didn't want to go to her mom just yet, as we still had over an hour, and we didn't want to cut it short due to one guy. This was a huge convention. We continued walking around, then I got this weird feeling. I looked around me, and there he was. I could see him looking at me through a shelf of plushies, those same creepy eyes. I dragged my sister away, and the two of us escaped into a crowd and headed towards Artist Alley, an alley for specific artists to sell their work. Artist Alley was way busier than the main convention hall, so I thought it'd make it easier to not see him again, but I was wrong. I turned a corner and go towards one of my favorite artists, and there he was, standing at the booth I was going to. He turned and saw me, and then gave me the creepy smile and wave. Meliodas, he called out. Can I get another picture? Since we're in a clear view of everyone in Artist Alley, and my sister, who knew what was happening, was with me, I stupidly accepted. I'm too polite, but I considered the previous factors before accepting. For this photo, I held my broken sword against his neck upon his request. He then snakes his hand down onto my lower back. I press my sword harder onto his neck in response, even though the sword couldn't do any harm to him. It's a good threat. He, however, didn't take the hint and laughed a creepy laugh that matched his creepy eyes as his head slid down to my ass. I slapped his hand away and ran with my sister. Now at this point, he ran after me. My sister and I try to escape through the crowd, but he keeps finding me. We finally run up to a meeting point with my mom in front, where there were security guards. I run to my mom who by coincidence is casually chatting with a security guard. I run up to her and tell her what was happening. The guy has caught up and is just exiting the door to the main hall. When I point him out, the creepy smile plastering his face makes it easy for the guard to spot. The man and the guard disappear into the crowd. The guard came back empty handed, saying that he got away and they can't find him. I was asked a few questions, but nothing could come from it. So creepy guy who grabbed and followed me around Anime Expo, let's not meet again. I was around three years old, enough to talk, but little enough to still be in a car seat. I was waiting in the car with my sister while my mom ran to the hardware store. She said she'd only been gone for two minutes. But to me, that two minutes felt like an eternity. Because my sister was obnoxious, bossy ass, know-it-all, bonafide bitch, and ever the moody, introverted toddler I was at my wit's end. I can't remember exactly what she did to piss me off, but I assume it was making me play Spelling Bee, which was me being forced to listen to her spell out loud. If I made any noise or distract her, she'd start all over again. I swear, I still get triggered at the word optometrist. Whatever it was, I couldn't take it anymore. It's worth noting here that Baby Me was also a bit of an asshole escape artist. Nothing gave me more pleasure than prison breaking out of wherever, stroller, crib, etc. I was in, and hiding nearby while my parents ran around in hysterics thinking I had been taken. Yo fam, if you're reading this, my bad. Apparently, I Houdini'd my weight out of the car seat and, and stared defiantly at my sister, 
while my teeny doe boy fingers opened the sliding door, and I was gone. My sister self-righteously ran inside to tattletale on me. My mom ran to the car, looked everywhere, scoured the parking lot, and couldn't find me. Panic set in. She ran back inside and screamed for help. The whole store went into lockdown and started furiously searching high and low, but I was nowhere to be found. One employee remembered the busy four-lane highway just outside and thought I could have tried to cross it. He didn't want to alert my mom because he knew in all likelihood he could be finding a body instead of a baby, so he quietly slipped away and set out to find me. Preparing for the worst, he sprinted up and down the hallway with no avail, so he crossed into the sprawling parking lot of a nearby strip mall. It's pretty far distance from one side to the other, but not many cars were there that day, so he had a clear line of sight. There was also a Wendy's at the opposite corner of the lot, and something caught his eye. He saw an older woman standing by her car with the door open, talking to a little girl several feet away. It felt off. She was too old to be this girl's mother. He started walking towards them. The woman inched closer and closer to the little girl, until finally she bent down and picked her up, and put the little girl in the back seat, which, mind you, had no car seat. He got there just as the woman was getting to the driver's seat. He approached the woman, and politely but sternly said, Ma'am, that's not your baby, is it? She laughed nervously and insisted she was just trying to get the little girl to go with her so she could take her to find her mom. Who knows if she was telling the truth or not, but the man played along to avoid incident. He thanked her and said that he knew where the mom was and that he would take it from here. He smoothly got the little girl from the back seat and made a beeline back to the hardware store. And, you guessed it, that little girl was me. The man walked in like a hero with little asshole. Houdini punching on his hip. My mom was beside herself, bawling her eyes out, while my snot-nosed sister was grinning at all the trouble I was sure to be in. My mom could hardly get the words, thank you, out. But she likes to think she knew. Somehow, she never got his name, which completely blows my mind. But I think she was just so traumatized by that day, and probably embarrassed, that she never wanted to think about it again. The hardware store is long gone by now, so I may never get the chance to thank him for saving me while bawling my eyes out like my mom did that day. But I like to think he knows, and to the old Wendy's wench who almost successfully snatched me, let's not meet. I guess I should give this some backstory before I get into the story. I became homeless in late January. So I'm living in my car with my 120 pound female Mastiff, who is a guarding breed. She keeps me very, very safe and always has. We have a routine in the mornings. First, I walk her at my cousin's house. Then I go to a local rest stop to use the facilities and brush my teeth and wash my face and whatnot. After that, I go to the park and ride right by the rest stop to walk my dog again. Because of the virus, lots of people frequent this park and ride to either sit and read, listen to podcasts or audiobooks, or to nap. Now, when I have to walk my dog, I leave the back door of my car open, because she is old and arthritic, and it's hard for her to get in and out of the car. I usually have to lift her from under her belly, to load her into the car, 
I also leave it open that way because she's fear aggressive with humans due to being abused as a puppy and she's a dog aggressive so I like to make sure I can get her in the car quickly if I need to I also like to park my car between a large van and an SUV that are seemingly abandoned there or just left there for whatever reason so that my car is kind of hidden and nobody will park by me last week the van wasn't at the park so I parked to the left of the SUV as usual with a huge space between my car and any other cars in that row I was walking my dog in the grass pretty far away from my car and as usual I had the car running with the back door slightly open I was far enough from it that you wouldn't know it was mine if you passed by while walking my dog I noticed a flash from a silver car out of the corner of my eye and thought it might be a state trooper if it was because I had been paranoid and had anxiety disorder that he might reprimand me for walking my dog there I stayed calm and continued to walk with my dog intent on getting her to do her business so we could get back to the car and leave the car passed by once more and I noticed it wasn't a state police car it was a silver Honda with an old man driving he was purposely driving as close as he could to my dog and I without hitting the curb and I was literally just crawling the car along our path when I turned around he did too he crept past me once more staring out of his window at me the entire time and not even watching the road I got agitated at that point and resigned myself to the idea that I would have to confront him if he continued to stalk us he passed by once more crawling again and trying to get closer when he realized I was heading for the cars he turned around again I got karma my dog in the car and settled myself into the driver's seat and took some time to give her a bowl of fresh clean water her treats and took a moment to plug in my laptop to my inverter and charge it for later I saw the silver car out of the corner of my eye again and watched as the old man parked a few cars away from mine in the same row next to a man in a black pickup truck that I noticed was watching the old man curiously I was thankful for the man in the truck that was there and watching and he noticed the way the old man was creeping by me and stalking me the old man purposely reverse parked so his window was lined up with my driver's side window and continued to belligerently stare at me from out of his window as I did what I needed to before I'd leave the park and ride he was leaning against his door with his head out and just staring straight at me not even blinking I ignored him as I had been doing and carried on with my business checking reddit while I plugged my phone and organized the belongings in my front seat and gathered up some garbage to put in the little garbage bag I kept on the floor by the front seat I was raised to be tough and unafraid and I wasn't going to let this creepy old man spook me I looked up after about 10 minutes and he was still staring right at me still not even blinking so I turned my head and avoided eye contact as I put on my seatbelt I had been running the car the whole time I walked my dog so I was good to go I went to pull out of my spot and my backup camera went off and I saw the damn silver car right behind me impeding me from pulling out of my parking spot at this point I was angry and ready to give the old man a what for but I reminded myself he might just be a little off my grandfather has dementia and before he was diagnosed he did some strange things and would often forget where he was and he'd hallucinate I figured maybe this old man was having troubles of his own the old man pulled up next to me and as I put my car back into gear to leave 
my dog began going wild and I heard a voice. Mind you, I had locked my doors and closed all my windows while this man was staring at me. To make it clear, I was not to be approached and was not interested in conversation. My dog was climbing into my front seat and blocking off my view, so I couldn't pull out. She was barking like crazy and snarling at this man, with her hair standing up on her back. At this point, I just stopped and put the car in park, shoved her into the back seat and rolled down my window to see what this creep wanted. I noticed he had an oxygen tube in his nose, but there was no oxygen tank to be seen anywhere in his car. I have a good eye for these things, because my grandmother had one for two years, before she died. And I also worked in a pharmacy, where I delivered pharmacy supplies door to door at an elderly living community, with a health center and assisted living center. I can spawn oxygen tank from any size, and in any kind of container, or case anywhere. There was none in his car. He says to me, Are you alright? I say, yes, I'm fine. I go to roll my window back up when he speaks again. Are you broken down? Do you need help? I give him an incredulous look and firmly say no, I'm not. And my car is fine, and so am I. Again I try to roll up the window and he shouts, Well it looked like your car was broken down, which is why I pulled up here next to you. I think something wrong with your car. Again I tell him the car is fine, I'm fine. I don't need any help and really thank him for his concern. He doesn't let it go. He tells me once more he thinks my car is broken down and he can help me. At this point I'm no longer trying to be polite. I give him a nasty look. Don't even bother to stop my dog from barking at him. And I say, I'm fine, thanks. He just nods and slowly, ever so slowly, crawls out of his parking space and down the lot towards the exit and hangs there as if waiting for me to drive out. My instincts are telling me something is really fucking off with this guy, but I'm just trying to rationalize, chalking it up to my paranoia and anxiety, and general distrust of people. I tell myself he's probably just a bit senile, and means well. Still, I stay stubbornly in my spot, and do not leave until he finally gives up and pulls out of the lot going the opposite way that I was going. The whole day the entire incident bothered me. It wasn't until later, when I was talking to a male friend, that I realized how fucked up the whole thing was. He didn't know which car was mine, when he began stalking me. I was nowhere near it. Once I got in my car, he pulled up a few spots away, to purposely continue watching me. And seeing that my car was clearly fine and running, since I was blasting the AC and rolled up my window without any difficulty. I've had cars that have been broken down before, and I'm mechanically inclined enough. As my friend pointed out, if my car was broken down, I would have at least had the hood popped, and I'd be elbows deep in my engine bay, checking my oil, my other fluids, my belts, my radiator, my battery, and my alternator. Been there, done that a million times. Once again, he had the oxygen tube in his nose with no tank anywhere in sight. I drive an SUV, and he was in a Honda sedan, so I was easily able to see into his vehicle. Nothing. Nada. The fact that he insisted something was wrong with my car bothered me. It was as if he wanted me to get out of my car, to either check, probably thinking because I'm a young, small female, that I don't understand mechanics, or know when something is wrong with my car, or to prove to him that it was fine. There were no signs at all, 
that say anything was wrong with my car. And if there was, I wouldn't be out walking my dog. I'd be able to deep in my engine bay, on the phone with a towing company, and I'd be highly stressed out and filthy. What's even more bothersome is he did this in broad daylight with people watching from their cars. He purposely stalked me as close as he could with his car, nearly driving in the grass, turning around and creeping slowly past me three times, and following me as I walked and then parked near my car once he saw me get in it. I think he parked next to me and stared at me like I was trying to take some time to figure out an excuse or reason to approach me before he stopped me from leaving and pulling up next to me. The entire thing was incredibly uncomfortable, creepy, often gave me Ted Bundy vibes. After all, an elderly man with an oxygen tube in his nose doesn't look like he's capable of harming anyone, but boy, did he want me to get out of that car. Him hanging around the exit to try to catch me leaving was probably the worst of it all. It wasn't enough that he stalked and harassed me in the lot. No, why not try to follow me to wherever I was going? So, old man at the park with oxygen tubes that connected to nothing. Let's not meet. Ever. This is the scariest thing that has ever happened to me. And what makes it worse is that, had things gone down differently, I might not have been able to tell you the story. Okay, first things first. I'm a girl, about 5'7", and around 130 pounds. This happened to me about 3 years ago, when I was in my early 20s, and still a student, living in a very safe area. Growing up, I had loved martial arts, and having grown up in a small rural town, I take what I could get. Karate? Fine. Judo? Sure. Kung Fu? Why not? Taekwondo? Sign me up. I love martial arts. I still do. Because they helped me discipline my body and mind. And grow my confidence. It had been a few years since I moved out of my country's capital to study. I had kind of fallen off the martial arts wagon at that point. With college taking up most of my time. I should also mention that at the time I lived with my younger brother and our cat. We lived on a first floor, the second floor for all my American people, right next to a military camp and on a patch of the forest which leads to a creek. On our back balcony there was a circular metal ladder that would lead up to our balcony and the kitchen floor which of course we always kept under lock and key except for when my cat wanted to go out. When we unlocked the door he would go down the outdoor metal stairs to find his cat friends and play. I commute to my college every day by walking 30 minutes to a bus stop, then running the bus for an hour, and then walking about 10 minutes until I made it to my campus. It was very tiring. I would be out of the house every day from 10 in the morning until almost 10 at night. So when I'd come home, I'd be knackered. I don't believe in premonition much, but I do believe in instinct. And for quite a while, I felt like something was up with the patch of forest behind our apartment. I felt watched. Maybe it was the blackness of that patch of the forest that made me feel uneasy, because there wasn't a single light there. And the outdoor ladder looked like it descended into an abyss. You could take three steps into the patch of the forest and you'd be under complete cover of darkness. It made me feel weird, because even though I couldn't see anything, I knew that something was up. I had no proof, but I knew it. I was in class one Wednesday afternoon, 
with my best friend at the time, and a professor came in to pitch an internship to us. Internships aren't very well known in my country, so professors actually have to argue their case about why, as students, we could benefit from this. My best friend, I'll call her Kay, was very interested, but when the professor listed off the requirements, she realized she couldn't apply, as her GPA wasn't high enough. This led to Kay having a crying fit after the class was over, which led to a panic attack, and it got so bad that she called her boyfriend to come pick her up from the campus, and since I didn't want to leave her alone, I stayed with her until her boyfriend showed up and got in his car with her. The conversation in the car was basically me and her boyfriend trying to console her and help cheer her up. I asked her if she liked me to go over to her place so we could all hang out. But when she said that she was okay and didn't want to put me through the hassle of commuting home the next day, she lives a full hour away by car, so two hours away by public transport. So it was decided that they would drop me off at my house and they go to theirs. We get to my house around 7pm, the full three hours before I normally come home. I hug her, tell her to text me if she needs anything. I think her boyfriend and get out of the car, glad that I'll be home early for a change. I went in through the main entrance, climbed up the stairs to the first floor, put my key in the lock. I opened the door and called out my brother's name, like I always did, and got no response. The house was dark except for one light in the room, where the front door opened to, and eerily quiet, but I felt my stomach tie into a knot, because even if I couldn't hear anything, I could feel that someone was there, and when my instincts talk, I listen. I turned right into the hallway that leads into our rooms, and I saw my brother's door slam shut, hard, as soon as I got in the hallway. My brother's room is on the other end of the hallway on the left, facing my own room which is on the right of the hallway. My first thought is that my brother had taken a shower and forgotten to get a towel, so he made a run from the bathroom, which is next to my room in an embarrassment. But then I heard muffled whispers coming from his room. It sounded hush and pressing. I still had no reason to be afraid, but I was on high alert because I thought my brother and his friends were planning to jump out of his room and scare me. I wasn't about to let them get the satisfaction so I inched down the short hallway, through the darkness, and before I knocked my brother's door, I take a look at my room. It was a fucking mess. My mattress was off my bed, my clothes and my books were all over the floor, my jewelry box was empty and thrown onto my bed. All in all, it looked like a tornado had gone through there, and the hushed whispers in the next room sounded extremely pressing and anxious. Now that I was close, because though I had tried to tiptoe as silently as possible. My steps had been audible. I realized what was happening, and I went ballistic. At that moment, I fucking lost it. My fight-or-flight instincts kicked in, and it kicked flight into maximum overdrive. The words, danger, thieves, fight, hit me like a truck, and I threw my whole body weight into my brother's door, bursting the door down so furiously. You think it owed me money. I saw no one in the room, but it was also a fucking mess, and I knew what I had heard, so I ran into the balcony door. I ripped the curtain down out of my way, and went through the open balcony door just in time to catch one of the thieves right after he jumped off the balcony ledge. Looking back on it, he looked like a normal guy, black hair, normal weight, 
athletic build. Big earring on his left ear. But at the time, it looked like a fucking monster to me. A vile, putrid, home-invading, piece-of-shit-theft monster. I started screaming intangible things as I saw him stumble around. Obviously, he had hurt his leg before he got back on his feet and ran away. They were gone. I was safe, but then it hit me. Where the fuck was my laptop? I ran into my room and tore the place apart looking for my laptop. It was gone. I started screaming and crying. The unfairness, audacity, and the cowardice hit me like a steel toe to the stomach. I screamed and cried like I was in a Grecian tragedy. I'm not a rich by any means, and neither is my family. I had an old laptop, which was probably worth pennies, second hand. But I needed a laptop for schoolwork, and without it, I couldn't finish my semester. Not to mention that I didn't have any real life friends, and the majority of my friends at the time were online. So if I lost the laptop, I lost them. My laptop was lost, and so was I. I felt violated, dirty, and less than. I was afraid I'd throw up or pass out, or both. I was taking such rapid and deep panic breaths that my vision began to blur. In the most panicked and grief-stricken state I've ever been in my life, tears streaming down my face. I called my mother to tell her what had happened, and she told me to call the police. It took me almost a full minute on the phone with the operator telling me again and again where I lived, who I was, and what had happened, before she understood me, and she said she'd send someone over. A few days later, I was talking with my mother about the incident, and she told me something that hit me hard. I come from a pretty much triangular household, and she told me that when I called her that night, she couldn't make out what language I was speaking, because I had been so panicked makes sense why I was about to repeat myself over and over to the operator. I started running around the house like a lunatic, checking every door and every lock in a frenzy, until I got to the kitchen. I saw that window had been broken. Without thinking, I slammed it shut. Stupid, I know. But I was beside myself, and I wasn't thinking straight. My brother came home a few minutes later, and when he came in, he saw me panicked crying my eyes out, and speaking almost intangibly. He came to the bedrooms and saw the damage, and told me to sit in the living room and calm down. I did as he said and tried to calm down, but I jumped at every sound and started crying worse, telling him I was sorry that I got home too late, and that our laptops were gone. The house seemed too big at those moments, so dark and so hostile, and I felt so small and helpless. My brother called me over to his room and showed me a pillowcase full of something. And we looked inside and found both laptops, all my jewelry, fake, all of it, my phone, and some other stuff. They had been right in front of me the whole time, but I was so messed up that I didn't even register. The police eventually came out about an hour later and did fuck all. So my brother and I took to the police station and filed the police report of the incident. And since I had seen half of one of the culprit's faces, they asked me to come in for an identification. They even sent over someone to dust prints. Nothing ever came of it. The police said that since they'd even have a backpack to put loot in, and resorted to using one of our pillowcases, they were almost 100% junkies. We had the outdoor metallic ladder ripped out of our kitchen balcony, much to my cat's displeasure, 
since that's how they got in. We also installed separate motion detecting lights. For the next few months, I was constantly on edge, and every time I passed near some suspicious characters who hung around my usual bus stop, I felt a violent rage boil in me. I caught myself looking for the man I had seen, ready to beat him up within an inch of his life, but I never saw him or heard his creepy whisper partner again and my brother and I moved away from the apartment a few months later because I never felt comfortable in the apartment again. I picked up kickboxing, and because it had made me stronger, it helped me feel safer, and I also carry a knife with me now. I still think back to that encounter and realize how fucking stupid I was. What creeps me out the most is knowing that that night, there had been nothing but a thin plywood door separating me from two potentially dangerous men even if I know that me busting in my brother's room like a lunatic is what scared them off because of how stupidly fearless I was. I realized how bad it could have gone. They could have had guns, they could have had knives, and they could have had pepper spray or a chain or whatever. And there was two of them and only one of me. And if they'd ganged up on me, even with the adrenaline having turned me into a doom guy, I don't know how much of a chance I realistically stood against two men high on whatever they wore on, and desperate enough to break into an apartment to loot stuff into a pillowcase. Had they been willing to put up a fight, this would have ended very, very bad for me. What I do know is that I probably still would have been like the doom guy. So, to the creepy cowardly bastard who dared break into my apartment and tried to rob me and my brother, and ended up traumatizing me so bad I had to move. Fuck you both. I hope for your fucking sake we never meet again, because I've been kicking that sandbag for two years now, and I picture your face every single time. I was about 13 when this happened, so I might not recall all the details. It was around 2.30 when me and my friend decided to sneak out during our slumber party. My friend Cassie wanted to go to the corner store. Why? I'm still not quite sure myself. Anyway, we climbed out the window and made our way down the dimly lit street. Nothing was out of the ordinary. That was until I heard footsteps behind me and Cassie. I tried to remain calm and not draw much attention. We were getting closer to the store when we heard this man getting a little closer. I couldn't see his face, but out of the corner of my eye, I could see he was wearing a dark hoodie some jeans and worn out sneakers. Cassie noticed him too, and I quietly told her not to be suspicious. We made it in the empty store. I started to browse the snack aisle when I heard the bell ring from the door. It was him sure enough. He kept his head low and watched as we picked out our snacks. I had this gut feeling that something was really off about this man. There were so many red flags. I could make a parachute with him. Me and Cassie went to the front desk and told the owner. He assured us everything was fine and that we should just get home. The nerve of this guy. I thought as we took our items and headed for the door. I hated the fact that we're on the dark street, with the creepy man following closely behind. Only one more block. I told myself still occasionally glancing behind us. I thought we had lost him when I heard Cassie yell, Run! I didn't even hesitate. I dropped the bags and began to run faster than I ever have in my entire life. 
I quickly look back to see the man running after us at full speed, clenching a knife in his hand. I wish I had it. I kept looking forward, but it was too late for that. I could see the light of Cassie's bedroom window. I knew we were going to be okay at that moment. Relief washed over me as I climbed back in the window. It was safe to say that we never snuck out after that. As for the creepy-ass man, let's never meet again. Hey guys, I want to thank you for listening to tonight's video. I hope it was super spooky. And if you guys don't mind, please consider clicking that subscribe button and bell icon to get notified of all future videos. I post three times a week now, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And if you have a story of your own you'd like to be featured on the channel, such as the couple stories you heard today, head over to my subreddit, r slash official. And if you want early access to my videos, you can head over to my Patreon, where only $1 a month gets you that, and also some fun other perks. And guess what? I've got merch now all over on Spreadshirt. Also, I offer all my videos on my podcast that can be found on all major podcast services. And all links will be located in the description field. I hope everyone has a good night. And remember, keep it spooky.